Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the All Things Leeds podcast, recorded again from the comfort of our own homes. I'm Ed McIntyre and joining me again is, as always, my co-host, Charles Foster. Charles, hello. Hi, mate. You all right? Yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I'm sound. I've say, um, been chatting with you. I just moved into my uh, new house a couple of days ago. so That must have been a really stressful time then, especially during this pandemic. It was all right, to be honest. You don't realise how little things you actually own until you move out. So I, <laughs> I, I, I took like one suitcase and like three bags and it was my entire possessions and a couple of posters. Yeah. That, oh, that me, that me TV, but that was it. Because when you live with your parents, so of course you have you have your own room, you know, your bedroom. It's like everything in that, that's like all you have, really. Everything else, like you don't own your microwave, you don't own, you know, all the food in your house and all the drink and stuff. You're like, you need to get it yourself. So yeah, when, when, when you move out, you realise, yeah, I've, I've barely got anything. And I need to go, go to the shops and buy stuff. Such as behind you, you don't have a light shade. Nope, not, yeah, not a light, light shade. shade. I mean, it's yeah. not not an essential not an essential product, so I reckon I could probably do without. But I know I know it, w- it winds you up for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just need a light shade. I need I need I need that cover really. Um, but yeah, so so we haven't recorded a podcast in about a month, a month and a half. Uh, how how have you been? What have you been up to? Well, I think since we last recorded, I shaved my head and grew a beard and shaved off my beard. So that's how long it's been since we last <laughs> recorded. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my sister gave me a haircut, and, you know, it's all right, you know. I went a four back and side, trim and top. I usually go two back and side, but I thought, well, if it messes up somehow, I won't mind going four all over. No, I won't be bothered about that. With a two all over, and then, you know, a bit risky, but, you know, so it's like going four back and side, trim and top. And, you know, it looks all right. She's done a good job, so big you don't want to do... my sister for that. You don't want to go full skinhead, do you? No, not, <laughs> not at all. I mean, you went, what What was it, six all over? I, I did six all over. When I normally get my hair cut, I get two back and sides and I get like scissors on top and I get it blended yeah. in. But because we only had like clippers and I had my auntie do it and my auntie only really does like, you know, one, one grade all over. She's not <laughs> she's not a hairdresser. So I just thought, oh, I don't want it that short, so I'll just get six all over. But it's grown back a little bit. Yeah, I was thinking about going just one blade all over, but I just, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I've, gr- I've grown the top of my hair out too, you know, too yeah. long. Can't do it. Cannot do it. <laughs> well, I think how long my, my, my hair was. My hair is normally, mate. And I think how much it took to just get it all shaved off. Even at grade yeah. six, it was a bit of, bit of graft. Yeah. Uh, but enough about our hair, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> ap- apologies for no content to you know to all the viewers and listeners. Apologies for no podcast uh, in a month and a month and a half. We've just been very busy with university work. I've finished all mine, Charles. I think you've still got uh, some university work left, but... But yeah, we've been very, very busy, really, uh, extremely busy. But hopefully we're, we're going to start producing a lot more content now. Um, starting uh, with this, um, as always, uh, before I move uh, into anything, I do want to say a big thank you to all the NHS staff and key workers out there for your hard work during this uh, pandemic. Um, I do, do just want to say, you know, I do want to urge listeners and viewers, please, you know, despite lockdown being eased a little, please just stay at home as much as you can for all the advice during this pandemic to help protect the NHS and save lives. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I do kind of think that we're seeing the light a bit too soon, but we won't go into all that. Of course, we had the last clap for the uh, NHS this week uh, after 10 weeks. Um, and I must say, you know, I-, I very much enjoyed watching these clap for the NHS clips that Leeds United um, have been putting out on social media each and every week. It's been great seeing all these past and present players uh, and other, you know, people connected to the club in some way in all these videos. Yeah, I mean, obviously the one uh, on Thursday of this week had uh, Lewis Cook in it. That was that was quite a strange one to see. Yeah, I mean, imagine uh, had, Lewis Cook in this Bielsa team. Yeah, I don't know. 
because Bielsa doesn't great. really like it. It, it. Yeah, it'd be good, but like his best position was kind of the, the eight, more more the ten in the eight role, and Bielsa kind of likes two eights and doesn't really focus that much on a ten. Yeah, that's an just that's an just kind of fly about and do the ten thing occasionally, but but most of the time I don't really play one. I would like to see what Bielsa could do with Lewis Cook in general. Yeah. I mean, we we had managers, you know, Thomas Christensen, Gary Monk, and they thought Calvin Phillips was a was a number ten. And an attacking midfielder. He also turned him into the best defensive midfielder in England. And he plays seven think... sometimes. So, you know, with Lewis Cook, it, it would have transformed him into probably the perfect number eight. Yeah, it was, it's, it's a bit weird with Calvin because he did actually score a few goals when he got played up there. He, he did yeah. get seven goals in that season, didn't he, under Christiansen and Heckingbottom. So, but yeah, I suppose we'll never know. I mean, I, I personally think he's much, given the way his game is, he's much better suited to the defensive role than he is to the offensive role. But yeah. uh, maybe that's just because. Um, that's the way, that's where Bielsa's put him. If Bielsa had put him attacking mid, I'm sure we'd <laughs> I'm sure we'd have seen a few good performances from him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but you know, all the other players we've had Vio Ferdinand in there. It's nice to see him back involved with uh, uh with Leeds again, like David Batty and, and players like that. Um and also the one this week, uh, we had Rob Green in there. What has he done to his hair? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was hilarious when Rob Green won the Europa League with Chelsea oh, and yeah. was lifting the trophy like he'd contributed to it in any way. Yeah, that was played like a single minute. Yeah, that was last season. Chelsea won the Europa League and Liverpool won the Champions League. And Andy Lonergan was a was a Liverpool player. So last season we saw pictures of Andy Lonergan with the Champions League trophy and Rob Green with the Europa League trophy. That was just bizarre. Both but yeah, Rob... leads as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just very very weird. Yeah, it was so weird. Um, but anyway, these videos, they've been great to see all the past and present players get getting involved. It's been uh, fantastic to see. Um, now, we've got plenty uh, coming up uh, in the show. There's uh, plenty to catch up on, loads of news to go over, including uh, when football is likely to return. Uh, but in the last episode, uh, of course, last month, uh, we spoke briefly um, on the passing of Leeds United, England and football legend Norman Hunter um, at the age of 76. I think we should start with all the amazing tributes, really, uh, that were paid to him. Uh, we had the hashtag uh, hang your scarves for Norman uh, that trend on social media which was really nice seeing everyone hanging their Leeds United scarves out of the windows uh, many fan channels like this one did some great tributes as well Charles it was both emotional but also lovely to see as well yeah I mean obviously he's one of the club's greatest ever players and probably in the top five legends of the club of all time of, of, over a hundred years is such a, a gifted proper old fashioned centre half and to see the respect he gets paid by Leeds fans and also opposition players and other, other kind of famous figures in football was was really nice yeah 100% um you had Barnsley as well paying a tribute uh, to Norman Hunter um who of course played for Barnsley and managed Barnsley in the 1980s uh they paid tribute to him on the day that we were meant to be playing Barnsley at Elm Road as well so that was quite emotional um and of course the big news uh the which was the big announcement by club the South Stand at Ellen Road that will be renamed the Norman Hunter uh South Stand they'll be named after Norman Hunter a, a lovely move by the club Charles yeah I mean uh is very fitting to, to want a, such a, a great figure at the club and what better way than to have a, a stand named after you the only two figures at Leeds have been had stand named after them are the club's greatest ever manager Don Revy and arguably the club's most gifted ever player John Charles uh, so it's probably the highest son he could receive and it's especially significant for me and you because that's the stand which we have our season tickets in so it'd be, uh, it'd be really lovely to, to be part of that Yeah, we're now on the uh, Norman Hunter South stand I can't, I, can't, I can't wait to be back in the Norman Hunter South stand cannot wait to be back in it, it It's just a shame though that you know Norman couldn't have seen it while he was still with us you know that he couldn't see this tribute while he was still here it's just a shame really when you think about that 
Yeah, I often think that I imagine players would rather be honoured while they're still alive. Yeah. I know the uh, obviously he was part of the uh, celebrations for the centenary and also part of the uh, being given the freedom of the city of Leeds because he was part of that 68 to 74 team. So, uh, and I know he uh, really appreciated that. So I think he would have really loved if it if it had been named after him during his lifetime. That, that's not to detract from from how lovely a, a statement and a tribute oh, yeah. it is, but I'm sure he would have just he would he would have definitely appreciated it if he was still here. Yeah, definitely. Um, you do wonder though, what we're gonna do when you know all the other members of of every team, you know, eventually pass because they they are getting to quite quite an old age now. Um, so what we're gonna do when, when you know when all those pass because because they need to have you know a big tribute made by the club. You know, and we only have four stands and three of them already named by people. You know, I, I like to look at the very stand, the north stand, uh, the very stand. I I like to look at that and think that you know that that represents that entire Revy era, that that entire team and that that entire era. Well, yeah, you, you, that I agree with you there. It is obviously it's, it's the Revy, it is the Revy stand. It represents the Revy era just as much as it represents Don himself. So, uh, I, um, unless we were to get a few more statues, I know the club art have obviously got the Centenary Square, and there's obviously that's going to be expanded, and it's all down the side of the pavilion. And um, obviously, there's there's potential to put maybe another, another I don't know another statue, another group of statues there. So yeah. there's there's plenty of things the club could do. But you're right, they, I'm sure if um, if Don was here, he'd also agree that the, the stand is represented of that era and their achievements not just him alone yeah definitely 100 percent um but yeah fantastic tributes made uh to uh, the uh, great norman hunter um and we've also had you know another we've also lost another club legend in the past few weeks um former leeds and england defender uh, trevor cherry passed away um suddenly age 72 another terrible loss charles yes um i mean really terrible because he was obviously younger so 72 is he's still quite a young age to die especially nowadays and obviously being a player in the 1970s who um obviously played for Huddersfield and Bradford as well is quite a bit of a West Yorkshire legend part of those kind of European campaigns in the early to mid 70s that were where we got to obviously the quarter final and then um and then to the final in 75 where we were you know unceremoniously cheated out of a greatest ever achievement but we'll, <laughs> but we'll pass by that's that and he obviously was crucial to them campaigns are crucial to them games imagine successfully marking Johan Cruyff out of a European yeah, semi-final you've got to be a very very good defender to do that and that's that's what he did. So uh, I mean, when you're never going to see the, the the likes of these players again, you're never going to get to see another player like like Norman who played. I think what is it like 560 games for the club or something like that. And I think yeah. uh, Trevor Cherry. Played Trevor Cherry. He made uh, 486 appearances between yeah, uh, 72 and 82. I say very similar amount of appearances. He was there a very long time. These, these players were here for years. They were part of the fabric of the club. So to lose them is is tragic, really. Yeah, and it's very rare to get players as well who are just you know one club players now. But yeah, I mean the most obviously the most famous example of a one club player at Leeds is, is Paul Madeley, isn't it? He oh, kind yeah. of grew up ar- around the stadium, played for the club his entire career, uh, and obviously England, and then retired. Yeah, he he, he was a true legend. Um, but yeah, another another true legend lost in Trevor Cherry. You know, a, an absolute club legend. As I say, he's made four hundred um, and eighty six appearances between nineteen seventy two and eighty two. Many forget as well he was the captain after Billy Bremner uh, left as well. He he became Leeds United captain. So yeah, you know. When you think about that team in in the seventies, you always think, oh yeah, Billy Bremner, Eddie Gray, and you know all the rest of it. You never really think, oh yeah, Trevor Cherry. But you know, when you when when you go and study him, you know it really is a, a true club legend. So yeah, it's a very big loss. Um, and yeah, again, it just shows that you know we should appreciate all these legends while they're still while they're still around because they can just you know be gone all of a sudden. Yeah, well, nothing's permanent, unfortunately. Nobody's permanent. Yeah. yeah so just you just need to appreciate them while everyone's still here. <laughs>
So moving on, um, Leeds United, uh, they continued those FIFA simulation streams um, right to the end of the season on their social media. Um, and Leeds won every game <laughs> in, in those FIFA simulations. And the uh, last game, the last stream, that was a uh, 3-2 win over Charlton at home. And uh, we got to watch uh, Leeds lift the championship trophy on FIFA. And, you know, if I'm being honest, I did get quite emotional watching it because it, it could have been real. It could have been real. It should have been real. We should yeah. be. We should be there. I'm absolutely devastated that last season Sheffield United and Villa and Norwich all got to have their parades and their celebrations and their nights out, and we've been robbed of that. I mean, obviously, before anyone has a go at me, I understand there are far more serious things going on right yeah. now, and I'm saying this. I'm saying this purely in the context of football, not in the context of life as a whole. Yeah. But it is going. It is really going. Yeah, it really, really is I, going. I, I, I was, I was going to be on the lash for a, for a solid week after we got promoted. <laughs> I wasn't going to go on for days, but I'm, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> I would have been on it for a year, <laughs> really. No, I mean, I'd enjoyed the I entire so, Premier League season. I know it's not very popular to do this, but I sympathise for Liverpool fans as well because they've had to wait 30 years to win a Premier yeah. League title. And, um, well, sorry, not, not a Premier League title, a top flight title, obviously, because the Premier League's only been around 28 years. But a top flight title, they've not won it for, for 30 years. And they, the they can't is... celebrate theirs either. Yeah, but the thing is, this season, Liverpool has a, have absolutely stormed their way through the Premier League. They can easily do that the next season. Leeds... Not, not going to be the same, though, is it? can't. No, but I'm saying Liverpool, they can easily go out and win the Premier League again next season. We can't fight for promotion again next season. You know, that's that's not a given. We, we can't finally get back to the Premier League once again, can't we? That's kind of a once in a... Oh, I say once in a, once in a couple of lifetime. We, we've done it like three times, haven't we? Gone up from Division 2 to Division 1 over the course of our, of our history. But yeah, it's, it is a... Is a tough thing to take, but yeah, it's a tough I always thing. think I always think once this is all resolved, I like to think that next year that Leeds will just organise like a parade during the middle of next year or at the end of next season. We can celebrate the promotion and we can celebrate hopefully if we get promoted, staying in the Premier League at the end of next season as well. Yeah, I saw a few people discussing because of course we had this centenary game that was meant to happen uh, where we'd be playing Bayern Munich legends at uh, Ellen Road, and of course that's been, that was cancelled, but it's probably going to get rescheduled for another time. And there was a lot of people saying that you know if we get Ellen Road packed for that game, that could be a that could be a massive party that game so so that would be epic you know get get all the team down there celebrate promotion with all the legends as well that would have been that that sounds fantastic um it's just it's just a bit odd that we chose Bayern Munich given the history Leeds has got with Bayern Munich yeah I mean I don't think people want to be reminded of that absolute robbing that we got in the I mean, obviously it was the, it was the 45th anniversary yesterday wasn't it they were putting the clips on of um of, of a goal I think it was. I think it was Lauren. What was it? Lauren who scored. I'm pretty sure it was Lauren who scored it yeah. in the in the cup final. And when he just he volleys it, absolute screamer. Everyone's about five yards onside, and obviously linesman's ruling it off because someone slips him a brown envelope before the game. <laughs> I mean, and then there's that that penalty shout in the in the first half as well, where he sides him down in the middle of the box, like most blatant penalty you'll ever see. Not given. Yeah, let, let's not go into all that, shall we? Um, <laughs> Craig Wilson, Leeds United social media guy um, on Twitter, he revealed that overall uh, the uh, FIFA simulations got 6.9 million impressions, 1.5 million total views, and 467,931 engagements. For FIFA simulations, that is mental. <laughs> I mean, it just shows you how much people are actually missing genuine football. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it, it just shows you how, how much people miss, you know, some fresh football content 
content, you, you could say. Just some fresh football content. Because at the moment, I think ITV of the BBC, they're replaying uh, Euro 96, which, of course, is fantastic. But, you know, we want some fresh football content. We don't want to watch, you know, past things. We want to watch, you know, some new things. That That's that's what we all like. But, yeah, I mean, mental numbers, mental numbers. The FIFA simulations, of course, appear to be a fantastic idea because, yeah, those are uh, mental numbers. And, you know, I enjoyed them. I enjoyed them as well. <laughs> So moving on to uh, some news then, um, and Leeds United announced that they're working on club credit or refund options uh, for match ticket and season ticket holders, um, saying that there'll be some different phases. So basically, the, the club, they'll be in touch. So just check your email if you if you bought tickets. The club will be in touch about, you know, club credit or refund options. Now, there seems to be, uh, you know, some different opinions on this amongst Leeds fans. Some say that they want the club to keep their money, you know, because the, the club need it. They, they, they want the club to just have it, you know, support them. Um, but then there's others like me who are happy that they're refunding us, really. Um, Charles, of course, being a scene ticket holder, what's your views on this? Uh, my views on this is it does not make you a better fan to ask the club to keep your money. If you yeah. pay, you pay for a product, you pay to watch the games, you pay to to part of the club. If you don't get those things, you're entitled to have your money back. And some some people aren't rich enough or aren't affluent enough to afford to just say, "Oh, keep the money." Some people need that money. If you're not if you're not if you paid for something, and you're not getting it. Then you may as well. And during COVID, people are not people have been furloughed. They're, not, they're only getting paid eighty percent of the wage. They've got bills to pay. They've got food to pay. They've got kids to pay for. Do not feel in any way guilty about taking your money back. It does not make you a better fan to hand your money back to the club, especially if you need that money. If you need the yeah. money, take it back. And Andrea Radrazani is a multi-millionaire. He will survive. Yeah, 100%. I echo those thoughts completely. It does not make you a better fan by spending more money at the club. You know, yes, you can say, oh, yeah, I'm supporting the club a lot more than you. But, you know, it doesn't make you a better fan. Some people can afford it. Some people can't. Now, it would probably get us a bit of hate saying this, but, you know, I, I am pleased that the club is working on refund um, refund options. You know, because there's five, what, five home games left. Um, that's around £100 for season ticket holders. I'll happily take £100 back. I will happily take that. Of course, Centenary game as well. I think that was £20 as well. I mean, that's going to charity. So if, to keep that, I'm not too bothered. But if I get it back, then I'm not going to complain because it is quite a lot of money that, you know, that'll be useful. So, um. Yeah, I'll yeah. happily take take refunds. I completely echo your thoughts, Charles. You know, same the club or no, keep my money. That doesn't make you a better fan. You know, some people they, they can't afford to just you know have that money wasted. You know, as as you say, if you had bought a product and you didn't receive it, then you'd want your money back. You know, yeah. of course these are these are you know incredibly tough circumstances right now. But you know, we paid football matches and we're not going to get them. You know, football's going to con- continue, but we're not going to yeah. be allowed in. Of course, it's out of everyone's hands, really. But you know we we haven't got that service, so so we're, we're right to get our money back. And uh, yeah, I'm completely fine with that. You know, it could get me a lot of hate saying that, but nah, I I, I think you know I'm, I'm I'm for one. I'm, I'm glad that they're working on refund options, and um, I happily have uh, some money back. Um, moving on, uh, of course, the big question uh, does remain: when will football return? Um, and we've seen plenty of developments across the uh, major leagues in Europe. The Netherlands uh, were one of the first to take action. They cancelled the 2019-20 season due to the uh, pandemic. So uh, the leaders, uh, Ajax, were denied the Eredivisie title and there will be no relegation or promotion over there. Uh, Scottish football, that has also been cancelled, but we have seen Celtic be awarded uh, their ninth SPFL title in a row. Um, and Hearts have been relegated to the uh, Championship. Um, unlucky Phil Hay. Um, German football, however, that has continued. We saw the uh, Bundesliga restart two weeks ago now, um, and it's been great to have you know some major, you know, good quality life football return, Charles. Yeah, it's been nice to see the games, but um, it is a bit like watching 
a reserve game because there's obviously not there's not many fans. Well, a reserve game, there's not that many fans there. These games, there's no fans there. So it's a bit weird. You can hear the players talking on the pitch. I am slightly looking for the only thing I'm looking forward to these games behind closed doors is hearing like the players swear each other on the pitch. I think that's <laughs> going to be really funny. I don't know how they're going to get around that. But yeah, we've got to the Bundesliga is a good blueprint of what the Premier League will look like when that returns. That that's what it's going to be like. So the Bundesliga is kind of like a useful stopgap while people are waiting for the Premier League and hopefully the Championship to return. Yeah, I mean we we just kind of get you know going to have to get used to watching football behind closed doors because because I agree with you. You know it is a bit weird watching football you know with no fans in regard it is like watching a training game it is weird hearing all the players shouting at each other you know it, it is quite strange hearing all that because you know we're not used to it really you know i i have realized though that you no know, i don't just miss football i miss everything about the sport i miss socializing i mean you know i, I miss meeting meeting up with friends at the pub having a few pints the atmosphere hugging a random stranger when we score i miss i miss everything you know i don't just miss the sport of football i miss everything about it the atmosphere and everything yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, it's more than a hobby. It's like a part of your life. It's a lifestyle. It's a, it's really important to people. It's what, it's, it's kind of like religion in a way. It's something you do once a week. You go out, you go down to a place. You, you, you're surrounded by people who believe and care about the same things you do. It's kind of similar in that way. Obviously, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too pretentious and ridiculous here, but you know what I mean. That, that's, it's kind of similar in that way. So you have that taken from such a big part of a weekend, such a big part of your life. The main reason I have social media is to look at football stuff. I, I don't, I don't have it for any other reason. Yeah. So yeah it's um quite a big thing to lose and people who don't don't like sport or don't really care about sport can't really appreciate what a big thing it is to lose for people who you know really do appreciate it yeah definitely i mean what like my, my sister she absolutely hates sports and she she can't understand why i come home and always talk about you know football and sport and stuff but you know unless you really understand it unless you're interested in sport and football you know you have no idea how much you know it, how awful it is when when you lose such a big thing i mean i've got i've kind of got used to having no sport now you know what 10 weeks into lockdown i've kind of got used to it but i am glad that you know football is slowly you know returning back i i'm i'm glad that no the bundesliga that's returned now i'm really glad that that's back because you know that's some good football as well now if it, if it was you know the chinese league that returned i won't be interested but because it's for bundesliga some good players world-class players you know a major league i'm you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm really you know enjoying watching it to be honest so um um see so yeah, have you picked a team charles to to follow <laughs> i mean I will never support another team other than Leeds United, but yeah. obviously watching the Bundesliga, me and my mates decided to randomise teams on the BT Sport page, you know, to just kind of follow their results and just track them. I got uh, Live Accusant, which is obviously quite a good team to have been randomised at the Bundesliga. So they, they tend to win most of the time. Havertz appears to be an absolute wonder kid. I don't know why someone hasn't picked him up yet. Yeah, he's really seems good. To, seems to be an absolute baller from what I've seen of him. <laughs> um <laughs> But obviously, yeah, I've got me. Every Leeds fan's got their Dortmund sympathies for obvious reasons because Dortmund's twin the Leeds. Obviously, I've got my uh, hatred for Bayern Munich for obvious reasons. Yeah. And the rest of the teams. Oh, Juve Rosler manages Dusseldorf, so I always keep a look look up yeah. their results. I saw that the other day. It was Dusseldorf versus Schalke. Juve Rosler is the manager of Dusseldorf. And David Wagner is the manager of uh, Schalke. Uh, I was just baffled because, like, what David Wagner? You know, he got Huddersfield promoted. It's not like he's, a, a, you know, massively, you know, fantastic manager. And Juve was there as well. <laughs> he did a dreadful job with Leeds. Um, so I, I was so surprised seeing them two on the touchline. I think Dusseldorf won that two one as well. So um, 
good. Uh, so yeah, that, that was in- <laughs> that was interesting for me. Though I, I mean, I've picked Bush and Dortmund. There's plenty of links between Leeds and Bush and Dortmund, of course. Dortmund and Leeds, they are twin cities. And I googled this as well because because I, I don't really understand, you know, what, why we're twin cities. So um, I googled that and it said uh, the occasion on which this was to occur was the International Culture Days, which were jointly organised by Dortmund and the UK in 1969. Uh, from now on, Dortmund and Leeds will be the twin cities. Both cities have a common desire to keep alive the feeling of togetherness and to strengthen the personalities between them. I mean, take that what take that take that what you will. But um yeah, so Dortmund I mean, and Leeds are the Twin Cities. So I picked Dortmund and also the Howland link as well, because Erling Howland is dad. Um, who was in the clap for the NHS video uh this week. Um he, of course he used to play for Leeds. Erling Howland was born in Leeds and now he's one of the best strikers in the world, which is fantastic. Um so yeah, I, I'm following Dortmund here. He was born in Leeds in uh, the same hospital as me about four months after me. <laughs> and it's the crazy, man's now, he's now a multi-millionaire playing for Borussia Dortmund. And <laughs> I am I am nowhere near that rich. But, you know, the also in Leeds on the head row, there's, there's Dortmund Square as well next to Sainsbury's. There's that, the statue of the guy with the beer barrel, that's Dortmund Square. So Yeah, that's so, the, uh, so there's plenty of links there. So If, uh, if anyone yeah. wasn't aware of that. <laughs> And it's a good team as well to, to support Borussia Dortmund. Really good team, really good fans. Um, and it's not close, close supporting because they're not going to win the league this season. They lost 1-0 to Bayern Munich at home, so they're not going to win the league this season. So you can't really say it's close supporting, can you? But, they, got, uh, they, got, they got cheated in that game as well. Boateng handballed it blatantly. Yeah, I mean, a good goal, though, to be fair. But yeah, plenty of links between Leeds and Borussia Dortmund. So I, I had to pick Borussia Dortmund. You know, I, I do like the club. They're, they're good clubs. So um, yeah, good players. And yeah, unbelievable about Erling Haaland, isn't it? He's just come up from absolutely nowhere and is now one of the best strikers on the planet. <laughs> it's just, just brilliant. And he's a Leeds lad as well, so it's fantastic. Before, um, before I went to Leipzig, we could have had him for five mil. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah, no. <laughs> I know, but uh, Leipzig offered more money, according to Philae. So, um, so yeah, that's that's a bit unfortunate. Uh, moving on, uh, La Liga that is set to uh, resume on June the eighth behind closed doors, of course, uh, with all matches available to watch for free in the UK. So that's more good news. I mean, yeah, that's that. There's that, and then because um, obviously it'd be nice to watch the La Liga games, especially because um, they used to be on. Where did they used to be on? Was it on Channel oh, Four? Where they used to be on? I think it was I, on I, ITV. ITV yeah. So they were on that for a while, but it'd be... And apparently there's, a, there's going to be four Premier League games on BBC as well, which is going to be very weird. Because hmm. that, that, hasn't, that hasn't happened allegedly since 1988, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's going to be very strange. Syria as well over in Italy, that's set to uh, resume on uh, June the 20th. The uh, Italian government gave its approval on Thursday, so even more you know, fantastic football to look forward to, La Liga and the Serie A. Um, and as we've uh, hinted at, it's also been announced that the Premier League will return on June the 17th uh, with Aston Villa versus Sheffield United and Manchester City versus Arsenal being the first two games to be played because, of course, those were games in hand. And then the first full round of uh, matches will take place place the uh, weekend after um, and Sky Sports uh, they will be showing all 64 remaining games and 25 of the games will be free to watch as well so that's uh, that's some positive news Charles well I mean Liverpool will win their title if Arsenal beat Manchester City and Liverpool win their game so that, the title could be over in one weekend so that would be interesting so then yeah. once the title is gone all you've got to look at is the uh, European spots and obviously the relegation what's really interesting for us will be the relegation zone I'll be, I'll be keeping more of an eye on the relegation zone because I really want uh, to see who's going to could be coming down. Yeah, I really want Norwich and West Ham to go down because they've gone on and on and on. West Ham, Aston Villa, Villa, Norwich have gone on and on and on during lockdown that they want the season over. 
simply because they're they're battling to to survive. So I'd love to see those three clubs come down. <laughs> I, I'd like to see Villa come down. I really would because they've spent they've spent like a hundred million quid for a team that was worse than the team they had when they got promoted. And if they go down, they'll have to sell uh, Grealish. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, and West Ham, I've got a few mates who support West Ham as well. So that'd be quite funny if they get relegated. <laughs> Can you imagine the Olympic Stadium in the Championship? How weird yeah, would that be? It'd be weird. Luton Town going to the Olympic Stadium. That'll be mental. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, some good football to to look forward to uh, to watching, and of course, Premier League games being free to watch as well. That's fantastic. Um, and it's also been announced that up to six Premier League games will be played at neutral venues, which is uh, quite interesting. Charles, I think it's um, the police have requested it. I think it's uh, right kind of rivalry based games or European, you know, games that will decide a European spot. I think those are the ones that have been put in neutral uh, venues. Uh, people go on about home advantage as well uh i don't see how home advantage exists if you don't have any fans there <laughs> yeah i mean maybe players no different maybe they get used to a pitch because certain pitches have different dimensions and, and they're traveling yeah, as well the traveling yeah because but... no, because if you're traveling from brighton up to newcastle that's a very big trip that'll make you very tired so um so you'd imagine that they'll be played at a neutral venue yeah, you can understand some reasons why they've chosen to do it, but um, I'm not. I wouldn't be forced if Leeds were asked to play in neutral venues for the end, because obviously we, we've still got to travel to Cardiff. We've still got to uh, we've got travel down to Swansea for for Swansea away for the end of the season. We've got, I think, what other away games have we got? We, we, I think we've still got a few long trips. Yeah, so. definitely. So, yeah, I wouldn't particularly care if they were in, like, if it was, like, a neutral venue in, like, Nottingham or something like that. That'd be all right. Yeah, and, I mean, if fans can't turn up, then, you know, what's all the fuss about games being played at neutral venues? There's there's no fuss about that. It's fine. As long as the games get played, then, you know, I'm I'm quite all right. Um, But, yeah, that's quite interesting, games being played at uh, neutral venues. Um, But, of course, the return of EFL football, however, is still unknown. The uh, EFL released um, a rather unimportant statement, really, basically saying that they've had a meeting and they've set a deadline um, of Tuesday, June the 2nd for clubs to uh, vote on how promotion and relegation can be settled in the EFL, as they definitely do want teams to be promoted and relegated across their three leagues. Uh, The EFL have uh, recently proposed a framework that would see a final position Positions be decided on an unweighted points per game system and that promotion relegation and the playoffs will take place. And uh, I do just want to say that if it is on points per game, then Leeds definitely will be uh, going up. Um, there is also the option uh, to play out the season as well, which uh, championship clubs intend to do. Um, League two, however, have said that their preference would be to curtail the season um, and League one is still undecided. Uh, some want the season to play out and others don't. Um, so Charles, what do you see happening here? I expect the League Two to just finish as it is. I think League One will get to a point where they will agree to finish where it is. Obviously, there's issues with playoffs and stuff, so I don't know how they're going to sort that out. But uh, maybe like just do five games, just do the playoffs, ignore everything else, promote the top two or whatever. In the Championship, I think the games will finish. I know you're a bit sceptical, but I actually expect the games to finish because there's yeah. just too much, there's too much money at stake. Yeah, I mean, but, I certainly get that point, and yeah, if, if you look at that, you know, I certainly do think Championship football will finish. There is too much money at stake, really, especially, you know, for the teams fighting for the playoff place as well. You know, any team can get in there, and if you get in there and win promotion via the playoffs, then you know that's a lot of money you've you've gained, really. So. Um, yeah, there, there is a lot of money involved with you know with championship and promotion. So I can certainly see the championship being played out. But you know, th- there's also the thing that you know, how can you play the championship if you're not playing League One or League Two? Like for me, that doesn't really you know weigh up. How can you play one of your leagues and the other two leagues aren't gonna you know finish? I I, I just don't understand that. So I I personally you know on one hand I can't see EFL football returning, but then on the other hand I agree with you. 
I can see the championship being played out, but League One and League Two, those leagues not being played out. But you know, that option, I just don't understand it. I don't see how you can just have one league to play and then the others no, don't. You know, I just don't understand that really. I mean, there's just such a difference between the Premier League and the Championship. That I mean, there is obviously there is a significant drop in it, off in income between Championship and League One and League One and League Two, but it's not nowhere near as severe. Like if if they were to cancel the Championship or if they were to just decide the playoffs as they are now, there would be so many lawsuits. <laughs> it would be it would be unbelievable. So I just I, yeah definitely I, the, the, the clubs are too greedy. The clubs are too greedy to do it otherwise as well. So I I, I just think they'll, they'll finish it. It's nine games. They can do it in about four weeks. Yeah, definitely. So, and, you know, League 2 and, League, and some League 1 clubs, they wouldn't be able to survive playing games behind closed doors anyway. You know, those clubs rely on the ticket revenue, you know, match day revenue. Uh, just like non-clubs, that's why the National League and below, they've been null and void because, you know, those clubs cannot survive, uh, you know, to play matches and pay the players without getting money, you know, through, through ticket sales and, and match day revenue. So, um, yeah, that's the same League 2 and League 1 clubs. Some clubs will, would not be able to survive playing games behind closed doors. Um, so, yeah, that yeah definitely, I, I can't see League 1 and League 2 continuing. Um, but the Championship, that that's going to be interesting. And, um, you know, June 20th, that's a date that's being floated around for uh, the return of Championship football. But it will be uh, interesting to see what happens there. Um, coronavirus tests, they were uh, carried out throughout the uh, EFL. Players and staff were tested. Um, and we had two positive tests at Hull City. Surprise, surprise, Hull City. In <laughs> um, the weeks leading up to that, we're sending letters to the EFL saying that they didn't want the season to continue. And then all of a sudden, tests come back. The only two positive tests in the championship at that point were from Hull City. So, um, so yeah, that was a bit ironic. I think, I think um, the test the other day, though, I think Fulham have got two players who've just tested positive, haven't they? Yep, two, two positive tests at Fulham and a Blackburn Rovers midfielder, Elliot Bennett, was the other positive test that was uh, confirmed. Fulham haven't admitted the identity of the two lads. That no, they, they got, haven't, have no. They? But, you know, it's clearly still not safe. You know, people are still contracting coronavirus. You know, so surely football can't return. You know, there's too much of a risk there. You say that, mate, but out of a thousand and what fifty tests, we've had about four positive. So that's like not point something percent, and they can easily isolate those players for a week to fourteen days. Yeah, but if they isolate for a week to fourteen days, they'll return to training. They'll they'll have to you know do training for you know for two three weeks, and then you know the season will be over by then. So you know for for some for some teams it may be unfair, but I guess it's not too unlike just getting an injury and being out for a few yeah, it's weeks. Not, it's, it's not. It's not. I mean, it's not fair to lose your best players to anything. It's not fair to lose your best player to an ACL. It's not fair for Patrick Bamford last season to have two separate massive knee injuries. It's not yeah. It's not fair that we lose Pablo Hernandez set, uh, kind of six or seven games a season because he always picks up hamstring injuries. It's not fair that Adam Forshaw has done his hip in. It mm. happens to players. I mean, obviously, injuries aren't contagious. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not moronic in, in thinking they are, they are but they, 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 it's similar in the terms of just it's it's potluck. Someone was gonna, someone was inevitably gonna test positive at some point, and these tests themselves do have false positives. That doesn't mean the positive tests are to be ignored. They're certainly not. But it's just, it's just, it's unlucky on the part of them clubs. And yeah, it's it's a fourteen days, but the players can still train in that time. They'll just have to train on their own in isolation, and then they can jump back in with a regular squad once um once they've obviously gone through the quarantine period. It, no, but I if do they're showing symptoms, they've got to, they've got to self-isolate. You know, they can't just do yeah. training by themselves. Train by themselves in the back gardens though and stuff, and stuff like that. Yeah. Some of the club can drop equipment off outside their house and drop a football off and something. They can just train by themselves. They yeah. can receive instructions over Zoom or whatever. It's not like they're going to be completely isolated. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think there's a big risk there. Like, there's no way of playing football 
safely. You know, if someone has coronavirus and they haven't tested positive yet, and then they go play football, it's a contact sport. You no, know, they're go- they're going to be touching other players. You know, I-, I just can't see you know a safe way of doing it. And I saw a thread on their Twitter uh, the other day where the guy was saying that footballers they have a very small chance, like a not point not three percent chance of being affected badly by coronavirus. But, you know, surely we need to think of the families as well and not just the footballers. Because if a footballer gets coronavirus, pass it on to their family, you know, who's in the household and they pass it on to people who went out shopping and stuff, you know, because that's the dangers with this virus. You can pass it on without realising that you've got it. So, you know, for, for me, there's, there's not really any way of playing football safely. So it's just a really big risk. It is a risk, but I'm, I don't know if it's, a, I would say it would be a big risk. Uh... Given how few players are tested positive, I think the EFL will plough on, regardless of people's feelings on the matter, regardless of yours feelings or my feelings. Yeah. I think four players, uh, sorry, three players and one staff member, I think it is, or whatever it is, out of well over a thousand tests. They're not going to say, oh, well, that's that's far too many. There's no way we can possibly play. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I think I, I said know. this in the last episode as well, of like, there's too much money at stake. As you, as you keep on mentioning the championship, there's too much money at stake. So yeah, I, I can't I can't see that just being null and void. Because if it is, then, you know, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits. There, there is a lot of money at stake, just too much money at stake, really. Yeah, I mean, I understand people saying, well, it's all about the money. Um, they should just, uh, you know, obviously finish the season, do it on points per game. And obviously, as a Leeds fan, I'm biased. I wouldn't, I wouldn't care anything. If it said to turn around to me and said tomorrow, all right, Leeds are champions. I'm, I'm not going to be <laughs> devastated about that. Yeah. Uh, so I understand that. But I, I, I can also understand someone from the Bristol City's perspective, someone from Preston North End's perspective, you know, one of their fans kind of in the playoffs or on the edge of the playoffs thinking, well, this is unfair. I had there's 27 points to play for. I could have easily got in the playoffs. I could yeah, have easily definitely. got promoted. I could have easily got that 200 million pounds. So it's greed. It is greed. But that is football, and you have to accept it, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, championship clubs, they have returned uh, to training. Um, they returned to uh, training last Monday, the uh, 25th um, of May. Uh, and looking at all the clips online of all the uh, Leeds players training, they all still look very, very fit. Like, they all look ready to just begin playing, you know, as soon as, really. Jack Harrison's haircut was, was baffling to me. I don't know what <laughs> he's done there. He, I think he must have... Um, obviously done similar to me and just shaved it all off at once. Because obviously he had like one of the best haircuts in the squad prior to the lockdown. (laughs) His barnet was brilliant. But now I don't know what he's done to it now. It it just looks a bit strange. But And John Kevin Augustin, he's dyed his hair blonde. Yeah, but he looks... Have you seen the size of his thighs? They're like absolutely enormous. He looks incredible, does John Kevin Augustin. Compared to when he signed for Leeds, he looks incredible. Like the players have clearly been working hard during lockdown. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously Cooper got interviewed by West Yorkshire Sport and he was saying that he was surprised at how good everyone came back, not just the physical condition, but how well everyone was playing, given obviously you've not played proper football in a, in a very long time, in six or seven weeks, how well everyone was, you know, the passing and the transitions and things. So that fills me with a bit of confidence. Obviously, he's not going to come back out into the media as the captain and go, oh yeah, we've all come back off lockdown. We've all been playing shite because he's just not going to do that, is he? <laughs> but at the same time, it's encouraging to hear that the players are seem to still be up to scratch and seem to still be ready to, you know, finish the job. And obviously Tyler Roberts got interviewed two or three weeks ago and he was saying that the, the club do not want to be promoted on points per game. Not, uh, not just the owners, the players, they they want to they want to finish the job. They want to obviously he didn't phrase it like this, but I imagine they want to atone for the kind of collapse last season. They want to prove they can do it. And I understand yeah. that. So yeah, I definitely understand that as well. Um but yeah championship clubs they've returned to training and yeah the least players they look very, very good. So um yeah if football is to resume uh, championship football is to resume then um yeah I'm sure I'm sure we'd we'd do a, a very good job. I think we discussed this on the last episode, you know, 
and we always seem to do well at the start of each season. And this is like a new season that's going to start, really. You know, we've had a very long break. We're getting back into it. And, it, you know, it could be quite exciting. It'll be exciting to see how uh, how we play. I mean, it's very interesting how you say, you know, Tyler Roberts saying that, you know, the players, they want to finish the season and, you know, prove that they can do it. For you, Charles, you know, for, for fans, I mean, what, what would you prefer? Would you prefer Leeds to go up on points per game, uh, which they definitely would if it was based on that? Or would you want the season to play out? The kind of pragma- pragmatic kind of gamesmanship side of me thinks, right, if we have a 100% chance of getting promoted doing one thing or a roll of the dice chance of getting promoted doing another thing, you take the 100% day in, day out. I'm not a gambler as a, as a person, so I would take them. But at the same time, the kind of football romantic in me does want us to finish the job and does want us to play the last nine games. And I do want to see my club play, play football again this season because I've been so bored in its absence. <laughs> if, I, yeah. if, I, if I was honest with myself, I would like us to finish the season. Even though I can totally understand everyone that says, why would we not just take that that 100% chance of promotion and, and win the championship? <laughs> I can totally understand why people think that. Yeah, I mean, definitely if we went up by points per game, I wouldn't be too bothered because, you know, we'll be going up. I know I wouldn't be too bothered. A lot of fans don't want that. They do want Leeds to, to prove themselves. But you know, I, I just think it'll be really funny. We'd be even more hated if we went up without kicking a football <laughs> again this season. We'd be even more hated. It'll be hilarious. But again, though, you know, there, there is, as, as you say, you know, there, there is an intrigue and, in, you know, seeing us play for the last nine games and doing it properly, doing it, you know, the right way. It'll be good to see us play the, the nine games and then prove to, to everyone, yeah, we are made for the Premier League. You know, it, it is right. But there's also a side of me which thinks we're going to bottle it if we return to playing football. Last nine games, we're going to bottle it again. I think the, the, the difference between this season and last season is last season we were only two points clear and Sheffield United were on a massive roll. And this season, I think we're five points clear of third, correct me if I'm wrong. And because we've had such a long break, it's almost like a start of a new season. And obviously under Bielsa, we always start stronger in the new seasons. It's not like we're, we've jumped straight from the 10th uh, last game of the season to the ninth. There's been a big gap. So I, could, I, I would love it if we went on one of those, you know, kind of early season runs where we win like, four out of five of our opening games because if we do yeah. that like we do at the start of the season and the start of last season then we will just go up yeah I mean I, th- I think we I, yeah I think we'd be great if the season restarted um to correct you though you said we're five points clear of third we are seven points clear of third of Fulham oh, so seven. So, um, well I mean yeah, even better <laughs> seven seven points clear so yeah if we were to if we were to just win our first four or five games especially given one of them's Fulham and their third <laughs> then yeah. I think we'll have done it because yeah. I think yeah. if we, I think if I think if we win four, is it they need seven or they need six or out of nine? Yeah, what, whatever it is they need a silly amount of points if we win like four or five out of nine. Yeah, so yeah, it will it will definitely be interesting if the season was to resume and yeah, ho- hopefully it does. Hopefully it, it does. Um, there, there was an interesting comment though from uh, Jeff Stelling, uh, Sky Sports presenter Jeff Stelling, um, and he said that Leeds isn't Leeds without fans. Charles, what are your, what are your thoughts on this statement? Well, I think that statement applies to every football club, uh, but especially United. Because of the way that the club has been kind of uh, mistreated and, you know, badly managed over the last 20 years, I don't think anyone can disagree with that. Even during the Champions League era, who we were arguably badly managed, especially financially. The fan base has had to be that kind of extra support to get an average player to perform better than they think they are capable of yeah. to, to kind of push players. I think the League One promotion is a perfect example of that we, we kind of pushed. I mean, some players in that squad were brilliant, but some were very average. And we pushed those average players over the line just with pure support, pure kind of 
you know, force of will. Yeah. And I think I think many players have admitted over the last twenty years or and even longer that that force of will has has helped them in crucial times in crucial games. So I do I do agree with that statement. I think how do I think the, that's why I'm curious to see how the lads play without the fans there because obviously they're always very complimentary of the fans and I would love to see how how they can adapt and perform without the support of the fans because yeah, situation we're in. Yeah, because it has felt in some games, you know, this season that the fans, us being loud and cheering, that has spurred the team on to go out and, you know, get get that other goal. I mean, especially last season as well, you look at you look back at that uh, Blackburn game where we scored two goals in Addy time, you know, without the fans being loud and cheering, I don't I don't think we would have scored those two goals in Addy time. You got the, really the Villa game last season as well, last season as well. You got the uh, the Millwall game this season with two 0 down at half time. The fans all having a go at Jed Wallace. Someone threw a bloody empty bottle of Tango at his yeah. head. And then obviously with, in the second half, it were kind of three goals in fairly quick succession. In about fifteen minutes, we were, we were winning again. Yeah. So it was that kind of it gives a huge lift. I, I think as well, fans. I saw Barney tweet it, um, saying that I think fans do affect refereeing decisions which you know I don't think is right but I do think it, it it does you know we've seen it in the Bundesliga there's been some decisions which you think if there's fans there screaming at the referees you know to, to give a penalty or whatever it probably would have given it but because there's no fans there and they're not saying you know chanting loudly and then referees and officials have been hesitant to give decisions so yeah I do I think, think fans both ways in, uh, in yeah. Ellen Road though because I've seen it where like the Reading game, this the uh, home this season is a perfect example because they had a player go down in our box in like the 94th minute or something while we were one 0 up, and they were screaming murder. Their their bench, their fans, that they should have had a penalty for that. And looking back on it, it is a bit dodgy, and maybe should have been a penalty. But it's the 94th minute, and Leeds are one 0 up at Ellen Road on a on a win streak, and the referee doesn't give the decision. You get yeah. uh, there was one at, one at QPR last season where there was a. a, a you know, while Steve McLaren was managing, it was a handball. Obviously, there was another handball at QPR this season, but we won't talk about that one. For, uh, and uh, from one of their defenders, and that will give us a penalty. And I remember thinking at the time, that probably wasn't a handball. But And, and it does affect it. And Huddersfield at home, the, the last year, in, in yeah. like the 90th minute, Luke Ehrling fouls one of their players in the box in, in, uh, at the South Stand end. It is, a, it is a penalty. It's a blatant foul. The referee doesn't give it. So, But at the same time, you get referees like we've had this season where they've just been pawing and they've been deliberately making, giving decisions for the opposition team so they don't seem biased. So I think it's a bit of a double-edged sword, fans' impact on referees. Yeah, but I do think fans do play a big part in the way you know football games are played out. You know, I, I do watch the Bundesliga now and think, would this game be any different if there was actually fans in the stadium? I definitely do think it would. I do think fans are do play a big part. But you know, in terms of that statement, Leeds isn't Leeds without fans. On one hand, that I, I kind of disagree because I think you know we've still got the history. We're still a big club. You know, we, we've still got all you know all the trophies you know in, in the cabinet. So I think that we are still a big club. But there's there's plenty of teams. You know, we've seen it with Portsmouth. You know, when they've gone down, when when clubs have come down gone down from Premier League, you know, back to back relegations, gone right down to League One. You know, many teams the fans would have just given up and just not bothered turning up to games, but. Leeds fans still turned up in numbers, were still very loud, and and yeah, but I mean, we, the fans do make Leeds, you know, you know, a very big club. You know, when 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 people speak about Leeds, they always think the the atmosphere, the fans. So 
yeah, I do kind of agree with that statement. Yeah, Leeds isn't Leeds without fans. I, I, I do kind of agree. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting. It will, it will be interesting to see what happens, whether it's on points per game or whether the season is played out. We will have to wait and see. Uh, but there's still plenty of fantastic football to look forward to. As I say, La Liga, Serie A, Premier League going to return soon, and the Bundesliga has already returned. So yeah, plenty of football to, uh, to keep us entertained during what hopefully is naming the end of a lockdown. <laughs> Uh, but that does bring us to the end of uh, episode 64 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Thank you very much, as always, to Charles for joining me. Cheers for having me on, mate. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you joining me, mate. And uh, thanks to uh, everyone as well who has uh, watched or listened. Uh, we really do uh, appreciate it. If you enjoyed, then why not subscribe or follow the podcast? Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, share the podcast around as well. Make sure to follow All Things Leads on social media. We are All Things Leads 1 on Instagram and Twitter, All Things Leads on Facebook. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Um, and as I say, during these difficult and unprecedented times, I do want to remind everyone, you know, follow all the advice. Stay at home as much as you can to help save lives, protect the NHS. But yeah, again, Charles, thank you for, for joining me. Again, sorry to everyone for no content, but hopefully uh, these podcasts are going to be a lot more frequent uh, now. Um, but yeah, everyone take care. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll speak to you soon.